Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, once again, we read from John's Gospel, the story of the raising of Lazarus. Over the past few weeks, we have been reading from John's Gospel. And the miracles that Jesus performs in the Gospel stories, you could say, increase in their intensity week after week. A few weeks ago, we had the woman at the well. And Jesus forgave her sins and then welcomed her back into the community. Last week, Jesus cured the man that was born blind. This week, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And so every week, Jesus' miracles increase in intensity. And why not? He's drawing closer to Jerusalem. His impending death is coming closer and closer. Therefore, his miracles increase in their intensity so that we can truly come to know who Jesus is when he is raised on the cross. Now, let's begin with the story. Lazarus, it says, is sick, and he's lying in bed in Bethany. Now, stop right there. Lazarus, the Hebrew word means God helps. Lazarus is in need of God's help. He's also lying sick in a town called Bethany. Bethany in Hebrew means house of the afflicted. And so, immediately, John is trying to teach us that we are meant to identify with Lazarus. Just like we are meant to identify with the woman at the well, as well as the blind man. And see, this is how John is such a literary genius. This story is about us, all of us. We all suffer in different ways, with different afflictions. And at the same time, we are all in need of help, help from God. You could say, You know, through the struggles that we face in our lifetime from time to time, we live in our own Bethany. We live in our own house of afflicted. Now, those afflictions can come in many different forms. Maybe emotional or psychological struggles. Maybe declining or poor physical health. Or maybe just poor spiritual health. Whatever it is, no one is immune from these struggles. These are our afflictions. And therefore, we need to turn to God. That's why John, at the very beginning of the story, he grabs us and now he holds our attention because this story, in many different ways, is about us. Now the story continues. It says, The sisters of Lazarus sent word to Jesus, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. The one you love, which means Lazarus, Martha, and Mary are very, very good friends of Jesus. What does this mean for us? Well, Jesus, yes, he is our Lord, he is the Son of God, but he also is our friend, and he loves us very much. God's love for us is unconditional. It never changes. Whether we're good or bad, God's love always remains the same for us all. Now, it says, When Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I find this a very odd detail. Now, for many of us, when we hear of a sick friend or a sick family member, we immediately tend to their needs. If we find out they're in the hospital, we visit them right away. Or if we know that they basically have a cold or maybe have the flu, we go to their house and we take care of them. We go to the store, buy them groceries, or maybe take them to the clinic for, an, for a doctor's office visit. And so we tend to their needs. I especially, when I get called for an anointing, I immediately drop everything in order to anoint that person because that person may be maybe a few minutes or a few hours away from dying. Therefore, they need that sacrament of anointing of the sick. And so we all do that. But Jesus doesn't. He doesn't act quickly. Now, why is that? Well, I think it's part and parcel because our prayers don't always get answered quickly. Again, why is that? Well, I think we have to turn to St. Augustine for the answer. St. Augustine says the reason why God doesn't answer our prayers immediately is because we need a period of time, a period of time of waiting. And during this period of time, God takes our hearts and he stretches and he pulls them such that at a given time, when our prayer is ready to be answered, now our heart has been enlarged to the extent that it can receive all the graces and all the blessings of that answered prayer. More to it, that period of time that we wait for our prayer to be answered, we are aligning our will to the will of God. That's why when we pray the Our Father, we pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So if we align our will to the will of God, then yes, our prayers will be answered. Now, the story continues. It says, Jesus arrives in Bethany, and Lazarus has been dead for four days. What's the implication here? Well, death has the final say over us. Death has won. But Jesus is going to prove otherwise. He's going to prove that he has destroyed death once and for all. Now next, it's Martha that runs and greets Jesus as he's coming to the house. Mary stays in the house. Now that's a very interesting, very interesting detail. Martha, she comes up to Jesus and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would have not died. But even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. What's well, a great expression of confidence that she has in Jesus. But I don't think she really sees Jesus as the Son of God. I think she sees him as a prophet. Notice how Jesus responds. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And that's true. Jesus is, is the source of divine life. That's why we always must remain with Jesus in our life. From the moment of the sacrament of baptism and through subsequent sacraments, we remain with God. That's why it's so important for us to come to Mass every week, pray every day. We do that, and then we will always remain or be grafted on to Jesus Christ and have that great promise of immortality. Now notice how Martha responds to this with a great statement of faith. She says, I have come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now that's amazing. That there is redemption. Remember the story of Mary and Martha in which Jesus comes over to their house and he has dinner. And Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, drinking in every word that Jesus is speaking to her. Martha does just the opposite. She engages in this frenzied pace of hospitality. She doesn't understand who Jesus really is. 
And yet over time, over time she comes to believe. See, that's a great message of hope for all of us. That over time we too, like Martha, can come to believe in Jesus Christ. Take it a step further. Martha, in that dinner, she becomes so frustrated at Mary. She comes up to Jesus and remember what she says? She yells at Jesus and says, tell her to help me. Well, first of all, it's never good to yell at God. But again, it stresses the fact that she really doesn't understand Jesus or know who he is. And yet, this is, again, redemption. Over time, she has come to believe. That's why Martha was the first one to run to Jesus and greet him. She knew that Jesus could help Lazarus. And then she makes that great proclamation of faith. She sees that Jesus truly is the Son of God. You know, there are moments in which we become frustrated ourselves, just like Martha. Moments that we don't understand our faith, just like Martha. So, what do we do? Well, just like Martha, we have to open ourselves up and recognize that it is those moments when we are weakened and when we are maybe angry, frustrated, challenged, that God enters into our life in order to strengthen our faith. And so, like Martha, we can come to know and believe the true presence of God in our life. That's why I think Martha is a great symbol or a great icon for all of us, for redemption as well as hope. Now the story continues. They lead Jesus to the tomb where Lazarus was buried. And it it says Jesus wept, tears of love. Well, Jesus now experiences the full range of human emotions. You know, we always see Jesus as the Son of God and his divinity. But I think sometimes we overlook his humanity. And therefore, Jesus experiences all of our human emotions, even to the point of tears. Jesus then, it says, he raised his eyes and with a loud voice cried out, Lazarus, come out. Now this reminds me of Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 16, in which Paul writes, At the coming or the end of the world, the Lord will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, the, tr- the angels will blow the trumpets, and a great call will come out, and the dead will rise from the graves. It's a great scene of the call, the call of eternal life. And see, you see this up and down sacred scripture. God bringing people to life in a dramatic way. I'll give you some examples. Look at the story of Exodus. The Israelites are about to leave their slavery in Egypt and go to the promised land. And it is God that leads them out. In a fiery cloud, the angels blow a trumpet and the Israelites begin to move and leave Egypt. Or how about Joshua? He's about to attack Jericho. And yet, it is the angels that blow the seven trumpets. And when they do, the walls fall down. And Joshua then invades Jericho in order to get to the promised land. See, these are all images of God calling people into life. God called us into life at the moment of our baptism. And through subsequent sacraments, God continues to call us into life. Once again, that's the reason why we must go to Mass every week in order for us to continue to hear God calling us into life. One last thing to think about. Jesus commands the people at the very end to untie Lazarus. Now, in the ancient world, it was a Jewish custom to wrap the dead in a burial shroud and then tie them up. Take it to a spiritual level now. Jesus' command 
He's telling the people that Lazarus no longer is bound by the grip of death. Nor are we. We are no longer held hostage by death. Death no longer has the final say over us. Instead, Jesus, you could say, through his passion, death, and resurrection, has untied our bounds. He has broken the grip of death over us. And now we are free. Now we have the great hope and the promise of immortality to come. Friends, I strongly encourage you, take some time this week. Reread this gospel story of the rising of Lazarus. It's a story about hope, redemption, but also what God does to us. He gives us the great promise of immortality, that death no longer reigns over us. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.